Welcome to Leading Age Workforce Innovators, a Leading Age podcast. This conversation is part of a series by the Leading Age Center for Workforce Solutions that examines promising practices and innovations to meet workforce challenges. I'm Gene Mitchell, editor of Leading Age Magazine, and today I'm speaking with Jane Keller, who is executive director at Holly Creek Retirement Community, part of the Christian Living Community System in Centennial, Colorado. We're recording this on October 30th, 2017 in New Orleans at the Leading Age Annual Meeting. Jane is here to present an education session about an innovative program that involves residents in helping to improve staff and retention in her community. Hello, Jane. Hello. To set the stage, can you tell us what staff retention difficulties you've had at Christian Living Communities over the years? Well, I don't think anything's different at CLC that others aren't facing other than the market. Denver is growing and growing fast, so we, we have fewer people to have as employees. And so it's very, very highly competitive to find the right people. We can find people, but they may not be the right people. So very, very high competition. And we also had a high level of turnover within the first year of employment at our community and within CLC. So again, attracting the right people and then getting them to stay. Those were the things that we were really struggling with. Unemployment is lower than the national average in Colorado and businesses continue to open and develop and some of some businesses such as restaurants are having to delay opening because they have open positions they can't fill so we're also seeing the same thing so definitely a workforce challenge in the Denver market. Now your program is very interesting because you've actually recruited your residents to help improve retention. Mm-hmm. In fact you've created a group you call the Keepers Committee. Can you tell us what that is and what it does? Well it keeps people. It's just that simple. Um, We started the Keepers Committee because again we had a high number of turnover, a high rate of turnover, and we needed to do more to keep our good folks. And as many of our listeners understand, when a team member leaves, it's it's like a a family member that we've lost and we really want to keep people around for a really, really long time. So it's basically a blended committee of residents and staff and it's non-supervisory staff it's it's more of the cheerleaders behind the scenes for staff and then residents um, also serve so it's about 50 50 it's about nine residents and nine team members and we come together every month um, to talk about various efforts we do some education we expect all of our team members to communicate to all the residents in the community to understand the good work that's being done and why it's important to keep people. Um, We also spend a lot of time on mentoring, mentoring new team members to make sure that they're successful. And again, this is through the efforts of the residents and the team members on the committee. It's not a leadership thing. Although I am part of the committee and I do help facilitate, it's the expectation that everybody on the committee does their part. So it's really a great working group. Uh, it's, It's a blended committee of people who care that want our team members to be happy and want our team members to stay on board. Because we have such recruiting challenges in Denver, it's that much more important that we keep people. For the residents that are involved in this, what do they get out of it? Why are they interested in helping with this? Well, I think there's several reasons. Number one, I mentioned earlier, it's like their family. When you think about going to the restaurant at night and you have the same servers that you really enjoy and then all of a sudden one of them is gone, um, it's, it's a member of their family. So the residents are interested primarily to keep their family intact. The team members are their family. 
But there's residents who have a lot of gifts, if not all residents, have a lot of gifts and talents to bring to us. And because they're residents doesn't mean we shouldn't honor that. And so these residents have a long-term um, professional background where they can bring a lot of experience to the table and a lot of ideas on how we can retain our good people. So they're using their gifts and talents today, even though they're retired from their roles. And that helps facilitate purpose and meaning. Gets you out of bed when you know that you've got some work to do to make a difference at the community, whether you're a resident or a team member. That's what's most important. So I think the purpose and, and, and meaning in our day is also another driving force of why people want to be a part of this. Are the residents on the committee involved in any one-on-one -on -one, um, activities or meetings or such with, uh, with staff that help them to do this work? Absolutely. So we identify when we meet each month, we identify new team members and we ask for volunteers for someone who wants to informally mentor the new team member. And what that might look like is a variety of things. It might just be an introduction, a greeting card saying here, I'm, I'm here for you. If you have any trouble at all, please reach out to me. We also um, have resident mentors offer a tour from a resident perspective. We have many positions in our community where the team member will never see a resident's home. And so they'll offer a tour of their home, check back with them. We do have um, residents who offer to take team, uh, new team members out to lunch um, just, to, just to build that relationship. We know that it's hard work to work in a retirement community. It's not something that people do because it's easy work. It's not something that people do because they're gonna get rich quick. It's really difficult work. And we know that team members are there because they wanna make a difference. And so trying to make that resident team member connection, the sooner the better, really has made an impact. So the residents then have the opportunity to meet one-on-one -on -one with those team members to make sure they're successful. Hello, my name is Charlie Visconage, and I'm the host of a brand new podcast from Leading Age, Aging Unmasked. On each episode, we'll tackle taboo topics in aging. For our first season, we're tackling sex, medical marijuana, finances, ageism, and fitness. Our first episode, which is available for download now, features Dr. Ruth Westheimer, Dr. Cheryl Phillips, and Dan Reingold. You can subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher Podcasts. The download information is also in the show notes of this episode. Thanks for listening, and now back to Workforce Innovators. How do you measure success with a program like this? So we um, started two years ago and set our baseline at that time. So I was very transparent with the residents, explaining to them, here's our turnover, here's, here's the national norm for turnover, here's what our turnover is, here's where we wanna start, here's where we wanna end. We also utilize team member satisfaction tools. Uh, we use pinnacle quality insights for our team member satisfaction measurements. So we utilize those tools as well to measure progress on morale or overall satisfaction. Um, when we started the committee, we were running around 30% turnover. The national norm is about 42%. Um, so we were ahead a little bit. But we then, um, within our first year of the committee, reduced that to 20% and been hanging around 20% for two years. And for our start of our third year, we're gonna be around 23% turnover, which is still well below the national norm. 
So we're really proud of that, especially given the market in Denver. Have any interesting stories come out of this, uh, interactions between residents and staff, et cetera? Absolutely. Residents in general have been more forgiving of staff now that they understand all the work that is being done in recruitment and retention. And so they've been more forgiving of our new team members when mistakes are made, when we're new, and we may be fumbling a little bit in getting our work done. The residents have been um, giving more grace, not complaining, and saying, this is what we do here. We want you to be successful. You'll get it. Keep up the good work. So um, a friend of mine was visiting um, her parents that live at the community, and that, that happened at dinner one night. The resident, the mother, looked at my friend and said, this is what we do here. We give them time. Even though she's making mistakes, it's okay. We'll give them more time. So the residents are really talking about it and, and explaining to each other how important it is to be more forgiving and to be more encouraging of these new team members because we want to keep them. So far, this program has been in place in Holly Creek. Mm -hmm. uh, is there any thought about uh, expanding this to other Christian living communities? That's certainly my hope. There's definitely interest, but I don't know of any formal plans for implementation. There's been a lot of people coming to our Keepers Committee meetings to observe, to take it back to their communities. But this isn't something that we can wrap up in a box and deliver to another community and start. It has to be something that is community specific, a, a community specific approach and how it's communicated. So I think the groundwork of Keepers Committee, I think that the, the purpose of the Keepers Committee is something that can happen at any community, but the approach to how to get there, I think you need, needs to be unique. I have to say one of our team members who is a part-time concierge, very part-time, she works with us as a second career. She used to be an airline flight attendant. And when I asked the question about other communities and, and why isn't this happening in other communities, her response was, why isn't it the norm? Why aren't we always using the residents and the team members together to work towards the same common goal? So that's my question. Why isn't it the norm? We should make that happen. And finally, what uh, for other leading age members thinking of doing something along these lines, what, how would they get started? What advice would you give them? I think just simply talking about our challenges openly, being transparent, explaining where we're at today, explaining why there's open positions, why there's turnover. I've been as transparent as I can with the Keepers Committee. Sometimes there's things I can't say, but that's not very often. And so just really explaining to them the full picture and understanding that we are a community and that we need to work together. I realize some operators might think, these residents, they pay a lot of money to live with us. Why are we encouraging them to be a part of the solution? But that's what a community and a family is all about. We want to encourage working together, and it's the residents that are so important to the team members and vice versa. So let's work together towards that common goal. Jane, thanks for speaking with Leading Age today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And thanks for listening to another Leading Age Workforce Innovators podcast. I'm Gene Mitchell. Our producer is Charlie Visconage, and the Center for Workforce Solutions is led by Susan Hildebrandt. You can listen to more Leading Age podcasts on our website, and you can subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating.